0: So a lot of people want to invest in real estate, but they don't know what to invest in or where to start. Well, today's episode should help answer that question. This is our third episode in our series with Lon Welsh. And Lon built an amazing flowchart. It's a decision tree that helps real estate investors or aspiring real estate investors figure out where they should invest in based on their time, their experience, their capital, and a bunch of other factors. So Lon walks us through the flow chart using three common investor profiles, and we go through those. So enjoy this episode. And of course, if you have any questions or want to copy this flowchart, reach out to me. And if you're interested in passive investing, make sure you check out the webinar in the show notes. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. Many people want to get into real estate investing, but not quite sure the best way to do it. So today's video with Alon Welsh will go through the investor decision tree that he made. So Lon, tell us about this investor decision tree.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad to be here today. And this is actually, I think, the best of all the recordings that we're going to do in this whole series. Um, it's the thing I'm most excited about. So the very first book I wrote on real estate investing, uh, this is a slightly updated one, uh, came out in 2009. And the very first chapter of the book is what should I invest in and why? And I wrote that chapter first because I've been giving classes on real estate investing for over 20 years. And that's always the first question everybody asks me is like, what should I invest in and why? And there's an enormous amount of confusion among investors who are new, who don't want to make a mistake. They want to get off on the right path. So I wrote this uh, just to be able to provide some guidance on that. And my goal is that you'll have peace of mind
0: after going through it, that you've made the right choice of where to start. And now you know why you're starting with that. And I mean, I'm a walking testimonial of this because I read your that version of the book like five or six years ago, and that decision tree helped me out immensely. Excellent. So I loved it. Helped me in my investing career. And if people want to go view it themselves, they can go to the website. They can download the, uh, the investing decision tree and yep. also an update chapter on how to use it. Yep. But right now, we're going to go through three common avatars. Yep. Of some people who get into investing and some active investors and we're going to walk through the logic on there so the first avatar i want to walk you th- walk uh through with you lon is the busy professional okay so this is going to be a doctor an architect a lawyer a small business owner a corporate executive someone that's very specialized in their field yep. and generally speaking high income um not much free time yep. and they usually have you know they're they're mid-career they have a spouse they have two or three kids they're busy professionally and they're and they're busy with their families, but they want to invest in real estate. Yep. So let's walk this person through the tree. This is a fantastic example I've met lots and lots of people like this because they're frustrated with the stock market.
1: They know mm-hmm. that real estate will provide some diversification. Like, how do I get started? So the very first question on the decision tree is: Do you have the time, and most importantly, the desire? To become an active investor. And for most of those people that tell you, I'm so busy trying to coordinate both my business and getting my kids to soccer practice and swim meets. I have no time for any extra hobbies. And this is an extra hobby. You don't want to be confused. Like everything in real estate is going to be a lot of work if you're active in it. So for that person, the answer would be no. So for, for us, for this first avatar, it's going to be a passive strategy. So do I need to have access to the funds? So usually the busy professionals like this, that we meet have already got like a six-month living expense savings account tucked away in a very safe place. And they've already got their 401k maxed out and their IRA maxed out. And usually they've got some some after-tax stock accounts as well. So usually liquidity is not a concern for them. They're happy to invest for the long term. They're willing to trade off access to the funds to get a better return. So usually the answer will be no. So the next question is, are you an accredited investor? And we talked about this briefly in the last seminar, but uh, just as a brief recap, uh, uh, being accredited means if you're single, you have an income of over 200,000. If you're married, you have an income over 300, or if you have investable assets, not including your primary residence, that's a million dollars or more. Any one of those three means that you are an accredited investor. So uh, if you're not, you can see there's three choices here. A REIT is a real estate investment trust. Uh, So that doesn't usually have any accreditation requirements. There's over a thousand REITs to choose from, uh, and there's lots of different categories. You can just self-storage only, office only, apartment only, whatever your heart's desire is, there's a REIT probably that'll match up to your criteria. Um, Our next question is, do you have 25,000 or less or more, or do you have 100,000 or more? So in this particular case, we're looking at a busy architect who's got a great practice. They've got more than 100,000 that they're willing to allocate to the strategy uh, the, the most optimal situation for them would be to invest in a fund of funds, like we're going to be doing uh, coming this this uh, summer with uh, Ironton Capital, or to go into a syndication. So a syndication is where one general partner is picking up a large asset, he's picking the project, doing all the coordination, doing all the responsible work, signing the loan. The limited partner, which would be our avatar in this case, just provides funds does none of the work, gets a little bit less return, then it gets money back at the end. If you have a social network where you know syndicators, that could be a really excellent strategy. Uh, There's not a lot of them out there and you have to know where to find them. Most people don't know. And then if you're new to real estate, you may not know which questions to ask. So if you're inexperienced in real estate, that may not be the best
0: case on the syndication. The fund of
1: funds might be much better because all that's figured out
0: for you. And I agree with that assessment. Like if you're a busy professional, the fund of funds is a great model because that doesn't require them to have the time and expertise to pick out the syndicators. Right. So you say it's a network. And for a lot of syndicators I meet, a majority, I do not want to invest money directly into their deals for a variety of reasons. Right. You know the same story.
1: They just Um, may not have the right experience of that asset class, or there might be a lot of reasons why I don't think that's the right deal.
0: Great. So great summary of avatar one. Yep. And of course, if anyone wants to download this uh, PDF and decision tree, go to the website. Now we're going to start back over with avatar two. Okay. And this is another very common avatar, uh, but a very different phase of their investing career. A lot of times this is a you know younger person, young professional, uh, W-2 earned income earners, limited cash, more time, less family responsibilities, but want to get into real estate because you know it's a great way to go out there and build future wealth. Absolutely. This was me 22
1: years ago and probably you eight years ago. And we meet lots of people like this and uh, they're really exciting to work with. So for question one, do you have the time and most importantly, the desire to become an active real estate investor? And it's a resounding yes. Yes. They're looking for a new hobby. And then do I need to have access to the funds? And here, like they're willing to, to tie up some cash. They're willing to kind of invest for the long haul. So, we're going to go to active investor strategies on the next page. And our next question is Do you have at least average quality credit or better? And this person does. They're a responsible person and they haven't haven't had a life tragedy that kind of threw them off the rails. Um, So, we're going to look at active plus good credit strategies. So, we'll go to the next page. And do they have at least 50,000 to invest? And uh, we're going to say yes to that. We're going to go to the next one. So, uh, do they have at least 100 grand? No. So, they've got like, let's say 75,000 to work with. And the next question might be, are you comfortable or have the desire to learn how to work with contractors that do renovation-type work? And uh, that's a difficult thing. If you're one of the narrow niche of people that's had success with contractors and actually something that you enjoy and you want to sign up to do more of it, uh, there's, a, there's a tree limb there that's got a choice of options, including fix and flips. For most people, though, when I talk to them, I'm like, I don't want anything to do with that. I renovated my kitchen last year. I'm never going to renovate anything ever again in my entire life. That's what I usually hear. So if you go to the no box... Here are the options that are probably best for that avatar ranked, in my opinion, by desirability. So we've got small homes or condos either on a short-term rental or a long-term rental, STR, LTR, or we could do something like an STR sandwich. What I mean by an STR sandwich is you, uh, instead of buying a condo and then you put it into a short-term rental pool, you rent a condo and then put it in a short-term rental pool. Uh, you would need to disclose that, of course, to your landlord that you're doing that, but that's a perfectly permissible strategy. Uh, we did that ourselves uh, once, and it's working out fantastic.
0: Things that are probably not as desirable for that person are lease options or assignments. And I can speak this myself because this was me many years ago, and I said yes to work with contractors. I did one fix and flip, and I was like, oh, no to contractors anymore. And I went down more the, the second route you talked about there, so I can relate to that. I think it's an important thing for people to realize is this is a starting off point Use this, go through decision tree and start investing. And of right. course, myself, Juan, our team's always happy to help people figure out the best decision for them. Right. Because it's often not always clear. And as you invest, your investing strategies evolve. Yes. And a lot of times it evolves into this next avatar, Avatar number three. Okay. Maybe this avatar number two is a younger version. That's a, a you or me, you know, a few years ago. And Avatar three is someone that is an active real estate investor, you know, owns rental properties. Less on the fix and flip side, or maybe phased out of that, but you know, you know they're a busy professional now, maybe a full-time investor, may have a job on top of that, but also have an active real estate portfolio of long-term rentals, maybe some short-term rentals in there. Yep. And now as their net worth is building up, market conditions change, and they're getting busier, they are looking to shift um, into their investing strategies. Okay. And this is why I started going through myself about a year, year and a half ago. Okay. So let's walk through this decision tree. Yeah, we meet a lot of investors like this that have
1: been investors for five, 10, 15 years. And, uh, you know, they're a little burned out on it. And it's not as easy to find active investments in this market because the prices have gone up that are attractive. So I think there's really, those two are the forces at work that are kind of encouraging more people to look at passive, but it's becoming more of a trend. So in this case, uh, for your next, so we should probably preface, for your next investment, do you have the time and desire to be an active investor? In this case, no. No. And then I want to look at the passive investor tree. And then do I need to have access to the funds? Well, like for you, for example, you've got a rainy day fund set aside. You've already got a pretty good portfolio. So you don't need access to this. This is going to be a long haul investment for you. Correct. So I don't need liquidity. So I can go to no. Um, are you accredited? Yes. yes. Um, do I have 25000 or 100000 or more?
0: So then you can kind of pick the tree that makes the most sense. And let's talk about REITs versus syndications versus funds for uh, a minute, because as we were talking before we started this video, you had some interesting comments on REITs and how they operate. Yes. because I think a lot of people like myself years ago, I want to invest in real estate. Oh, I'll do REITs. And I started looking into it and I changed my attitude towards there. And you had a great way to summarize what is happening in REITs and what the outlook is on the REITs right now.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that. So, um, REITs have got a couple of really powerful features. First, they're liquid, so you can sell them on short notice to get your money out and you don't have to be an accredited investor. Um, I think the negatives are, there's more than a thousand REITs to choose from. Which one should I pick? It's like kind of an overwhelming, there's too many choices to pick from. And the other is, I don't think REITs are gonna perform very well over the next five to maybe seven years. And the reason for that is, when you take a look at the value of a commercial asset, the value of the asset is equal to the cash flow it can generate, called net operating income, divided by a cap rate. Um, A cap rate is sort of like when you're buying a stock, you take the earnings and you get a a multiple of the earnings and that's your share price. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same concept. So what we've seen over the last five years is that cap rates have gone lower and lower and lower. Investors are willing to accept lower cap rates, which means they're paying a higher multiple relative to the cash flow that commercial asset is able to generate. So. The way the investor makes money is they borrow money, let's say at 3%, they buy an asset on a 5% cap. There's a 2% spread between the two. Historically speaking, if you have a 2% spread, you're going to make a lot of money with that real estate asset. The problem is that the interest rates are going up quite a lot right now. So if you're now borrowing at say four or four and a half, but you're paying a 5% cap to buy the building, there's not enough spread for you to make any money. And if, if you have to do any renovation work or you have a tenant move out and you've got to like attract a new tenant, uh, you're, you may have to subsidize the asset. So it's no longer going to be acceptable to be buying commercial assets at such low cap rates. When the interest rates have gone up so much, the cap rates also have to go up. That won't happen overnight. It'll happen gradually over the next three to five years. You'll see the cap rates very gently go up on many different categories of commercial assets. When that happens is as the cap rate goes up, the value goes down. So it's going to be a race to see if we can raise rents faster to increase the cash flow faster than the increase in cap rates eats up the valuation. For this reason, as we see the cap rates go up, I think that most commercial asset classes are going to see very little appreciation over the next five years. For that reason, REITs to me are not an attractive bet at this phase of the market cycle. The reason why the syndications and the funds can still be a great choice is we're not usually buying an asset that's in good condition to hold it as a coupon clipper, like the REITs do, that's their specialty. We're buying a distressed asset that needs to be fixed and repaired. That always works in any phase of the market cycle, or we're building a new asset from the ground up. So uh, that's why I think the syndications and the funds are the appropriate strategy in this time of the cycle.
0: I totally agree. Because I mean, right now, I I own rentals, I've invested in syndications, I've invested in funds, I own $0 in REITs, for what you said. Yep, Um, me either. And going back to like the difference here, because this is you know a question that we get from some investors here is, well, should I invest in a syndication or a fund? And of course the answer is it depends, but how would you walk someone through the difference of those two and like how they should invest their money?
1: Um, if your broad social network brings you into relationship with syndication guys on a regular basis, that's an incredibly viable strategy. And I think a very exciting one a lot of times. I, I just find that most people who are you know busy professionals don't know that many people who are in real estate full-time and they may not even know the f- syndicator number one. And if you only know one syndicator through like a referral of a referral of a referral and you, you meet and evaluate one, it's not a lot. You may not know if that's the best one. If they're building 28 new townhomes and you've never done a development project personally before, do you feel like you know the right questions to ask to assess, does this developer know what they're doing? Is this a viable project? Will they be able to sell these for what they say? What are the things that could go wrong? What are our mitigation strategies those things occur? If you feel confident answering all those questions, syndications could be a great bet for you. And I've been in real estate for 20 years and I've built 32 properties. I feel comfortable interviewing a developer and asking the right questions. Most people may not. So I put syndications on there because for a small niche of you, it'll be a great strategy, but for most of you, it may not be applicable. Um, The fund to fund really it's it's a, what we're doing at Ironton Capital is a mutual fund of syndications where we're kind of doing all the due diligence for you and picking out the best ones and then making sure they're broadly diversified across the country broadly diversified across asset classes and then different strategies.
0: Uh, very well said. Thank you. And if anyone out there wants to get more details, we've mentioned then go download this decision tree and the companion chapter for free on the website. Yep. And also you host the Ironman Capital webinar that yes. walks people through the investments that Irton Capital offers. And that's always a great way to learn more about the details of investing in funds yep. and of course, investing with Ironman Capital. Oh, and now many show notes as well. So Lon, thank you very much and we'll see you next video. Thanks for having me.